hey, you are back on That's Helpful, and it is that time of year again. We're all thinking, how in the heck did it get to December already? Well, we're here, so let's embrace it. Uh, This is part of my series called The 12 Pods of Christmas, which I'm really excited to bring you, which is all about helping you have the most joyful Christmas yet and set you up for a fantastic 2024. Now, I have to confess that this episode is kind of a selfish one. I have my work Christmas party coming up. Not for that's helpful, that would be a quiet one with just me and my dog. No, an actual work party with real colleagues who I'll have to talk to. I don't know them that well because I work remotely and I've genuinely thought about just not going, but... I am determined to go and mingle my butt off. I'm sure this scenario is feeling familiar to you. Whether you've got a family event or a friend's Christmas party, a gathering or even a date coming up, the fear is real. So how do we nail mingling and turn it into a core skill rather than something that brings us out into a cold sweat and has us wanting to cancel the night before? Well, fear not, I've called in the professionals for this one. Jean Martinet is an expert in it. In fact, so many people asked her for her advice that she had to write a book about it. And she's the author of The Art of Mingling, alongside a whole host of other wonderful books. Jean, why is mingling your thing? (laughs) I didn't realize that I was so, so proficient at this and also loved it so much until... I guess it was, you know, back in like the early 90s. And I was at a wedding in Ohio uh, with college friends. And I was at a, um, I was at the reception. And later on, we all got together like somebody's hotel room and we were all joking around. And they said, Jean, do you realize you talked to the entire town of Dayton, Ohio <laughs> at that reception? And we all just like, how did you, why did you do that? How did you do that? And just for, for a lark, I wrote down my, um, some of my techniques on a cocktail napkin. Um, and you know, gave them all names and that actually became the beginning of the outline for the book. So brilliant. It is something that scares us so much. Why? We're not alone in this fear of mingling and talking to people that we don't know. Why do you think we do find it so scary? And why why do you think it's such a challenge for so many of us when for people like you, it comes really naturally? I think that, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an odd, odd person in that way, but most people, (laughs) I think that the, the, first of all, it's the fear of the unknown. Uh, Mm. there's a double fear of, a fear of saying something stupid and embarrassing yourself and somebody of yeah. being rejected. That's like a basic human fear that you're going to go talk to someone and they're going to indicate that they don't like you or don't like what you're saying. And that's mm-hmm. coupled with the fear of getting stuck with someone who you really don't want to be talking to. <laughs> it really is a double edged sword because in the beginning I was focusing a lot on um, why people, how people uh, were afraid of, of going up to people, but also I've discovered people were admitting to me secretly that they were also afraid of getting stuck with a bore. (laughs) Oh yeah, there's nothing worse. And you know, I talked about this Christmas party that I've got coming up and genuinely that's one of the things I'm thinking, oh damn, you know, if I get there and and you, we've all been to parties, right? Where you get there and you end up talking to this one bloody boring person the whole night and you think, damn, I wish I'd just stayed in and, you know, watched the Great British Bake Off and had a nice time. Right, exactly. Uh, And that's why one of the reasons I wrote the book is that I wanted people to have a better experience so that they would so they learn how to do that so they would not make the bad choice of not going to the next party. Because yeah. I'm really very, I've talked to, ever since the pandemic especially, people mm-hmm. have gotten very comfortable with staying at home with their yep. 
computers with their Netflix. And, um, and it, 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 people who were slightly introverted before the pandemic are now even more so because they've just gotten into the habit and it was already, you know, hard for people to do it. So I really want, people don't understand what, how that can change your life. Really that sounds dramatic, but I have had 10 minute conversations at parties that I still remember because they were either so interesting or they led me to watch a movie or read a book or do something, take a class, or I just became friends with them. And you just never know. And people have to be open to that. It's called engaging in the, you know, face to face in the world. And um, so I'm just very big on accepting the invitation almost whenever possible. Oh, I love that. I really love that. And I, you just never know who you're going to meet at these things or what it's going to spark in you or all those little conversations. Like you say, you know, they can spark ideas or connections and you can think, oh, I could introduce you to this person. You'd really like this person. You're so right. And I am completely guilty of thinking, oh, I just stay in with my dog and watch telly because I love it. <laughs> I know. It's very comfortable. But, you're right. but the other thing mm. is, the energy that, not to be, you know, go new age on you, but the energy mm. that you get from people face to face mm. from just having a fun conversation where you're with someone in person, you're laughing, you're connecting on a subject. It actually like, it's like a high. It's a, it's a really important thing that we should be doing. You're so right. And I've got another invite in my inbox that I'm going to click yes to because of that. So thank you, Jean. I appreciate it. I'm going to stop being lazy. And you're right. I should go. I should go. So let's get into some of these brilliant tactics that are tried and tested and that absolutely work and will give us more confidence to click accept to those invites because damn, I'm guilty of not going. Um, so if we truly terrified you recommend enlisting a survival fantasy <laughs> what is a survival fantasy know, it and how sounds, can you use them? it sounds really silly but it's a it's basically a mindset to help you in the first few minutes of the party you don't it's only mm. for the beginning and what yeah. it is is a sort of a trick that you play with yourself so you one of them's called the the buddy system where you yeah. pretend you don't have to have a buddy you pretend that your best friend is standing or your husband or whoever is standing right behind you, somebody who's supportive. Yeah. And you just pretend, imagine they're there as you walk into the party, you know, so that gives yeah. you a little bit more confidence. Um, or you can also use what I, what I have used in the past, which sounds like it sounds slightly psychotic, but it works. It's <laughs> called the invisible man fantasy, which is where you actually just um you pretend when you walk in you just think no one can see me i'm absolutely invisible so it like allows you a few minutes to and which is almost true because people are not one so of my true. one of the five laws of survival in the book is no one's thinking about you they're only thinking about themselves so the That's fact so is true. you can there really isn't so far-fetched to be an invisible man and then after you get a little calmer then you you know move on to one of the entrance maneuvers <laughs> yes, I love it. And so th there is, you know, there are some key uh, clues to making a successful entrance, which I had never really thought of before, before I started del delving into this. But but what makes a successful element, uh, a successful entrance? And what are some of the elements that make up that successful entrance? Well, the first of all, you have to, it's, it's important to try and if, especially in the beginning to choose your, the group of people that you're entering carefully, if you don't know anyone. So yes, yes, you yes. look at their, you look at body language. So if there are people like with their arms around each other, close together, laughing hysterically, who seem to know each other really well, 
You don't want to try that as the first you know, thing. <laughs> yeah. You look for people who are sort of open. They're looking around the room. Their stance is more open, or maybe they're even alone to do your first, you know, mingle on. Um, and then the other thing is to, you know, one of my, I have basic entrance techniques that I have practice and believe it or not people have written me and said that they work so it's not just me um yeah, yeah, yeah. they have been like you know validated but one of the ones that i accidentally came upon years ago was called the honest approach um which is where you and you have to this is only for parties where you really don't know most people you walk yeah. up to somebody and you say hi excuse me i'm sorry to interrupt but i don't know a single soul at this party and almost everybody, they, they find that endearing. It's, it's you're showing yes. your vulnerability. You're asking for help basically, but not in a pathetic way. And the, usually those first group of people will invite in, introduce you to other people. And then, yes, you know, yes. you're sort of in, um, another one that is, if people don't, if that doesn't suit people's personality, another technique for getting in is called something I call the fade in approach, which I'm yes. sure people have seen. Um, I'm just identifying these with, you know, my names, but the fade in to do it successfully, you edge around a group of people, you listen very carefully and without like being too, like you have to wait until a good moment. And then you put your two, you know, put a comment in that's relevant. And so, but you don't want to like, it's important. The timing's important because you don't want to you don't want to be around the periphery, periphery for so long that you just, you know, end up being like a ghost. <laughs> you have to get, you know, you have to complete your fade in. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I guess that listening is careful, uh, is really integral to it because, you know, we've all seen that, that scene in Bridget Jones, you know, where she, she's at the part, yes. the Christmas party and she's mingling and she gets into this group and then just starts laughing hysterically and they all go, what's your take? And she has no idea what to say. You know, you just don't want to be Bridget Jones, right? <laughs> no, I actually was thinking about my book when I was watching Bridget Jones, cause I was thinking she needed the art of mingling. <laughs> <laughs> she really did. <laughs> poor Bridget, poor Bridget. And, and so, go on, sorry. I'm sorry. There's also, um, you can also, if you don't like the idea of like, because all these maneuvers are like step one, do this, step one, do that. But the there are also some, I give plenty of lines in the book. If you're just ready, just want to, you know, you just want to um, memorize some lines, you know, everything from, you know, how do you know the host, you know, to something yeah. more daring, like, you know, if you promise, if I, if you promise not to ask about my job, I won't ask about your job. You know, you, you can do different levels, you know, of, of opening lines that you can use. I really like that. Do you have any other examples of opening lines that um, always work for you? You can say, um, am, am I interrupting something confidential? You know, which, <laughs> I mean, sometimes the answer can be yes. And then you just go away, <laughs> but ordinarily that works. Or, or you could say something like, please, someone, please, tell me someone is talking about their recent um, or upcoming vacation. I'm looking to relax vicariously, you know, or Love something like that. that. So, I mean, obviously no one's going to memorize all the lines in my book, but you could take like two or three and have them in your pocket, you know, and it just makes you feel like in, in, in that, if all else I can use one of these lines. I mean, yeah. it sounds really artificial, but the fact is that for people who are scared, it's just like having tools, you know? 
Totally. And also, you know, even if you are good at mingling, subconsciously, you do have all those lines that you do fall back on, you know. I right. find myself saying the same old thing and I'm thinking I'm really interesting, but if somebody met me twice, they'd be like, Ed, seriously, <laughs> you got to find a new line. <laughs> seriously. And one of the things you say in the book, you know, about making a successful entrance is, is that some lies are essential. What What is this? Can you tell me about yes, that? Yes. Well, I mean, li- you know, lies, there's lies. Lies and their lies. Um, yeah, you know, yes. wh- the white lie is basically part of the fabric of polite society. And without it, we would all be in tears all the time. I mean, <laughs> f- you know, you can't, you know, how do I look in this dress? You know, um, but um, that's not a mingling thing. But like, so in, in entrance, in one of the entrance techniques is, is called the flattery entree. And that is where, you know, you find someone, usually something above the, above the waist, you know, above the neck. Um, you know, you, you go up to a woman and you say, I love your earrings. Or where'd you get mm. those glasses? Or that is the most beautiful tie I have ever seen. And then, you know, the person feel, you've made the person you're approaching feel good. And it might not be even a lie. It could be that you really do love the earrings. But if something's where, somebody's wearing something that is, um, you know, remarkable, or noticeable in some way, that's a really good way to get in. Oh, if someone gives me a compliment, yeah, I mean, compliments are just there. You can't have too many of them. And it's very useful when, you know, when, when you're ready to escape from people, the lying is extremely necessary. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, okay. I, I want to get to the ex- uh, escaping a little bit. I want to get to the shaking someone off because okay. that I absolutely need because I can't tell you the amount of parties I've been to where I felt terribly scared and alone and I've just spent the entire night latched onto one person because it's like, okay, you're a safe person. But I want to get to that. But we're ta- in terms of the entrance, yes. um, you've included a couple of examples of your most successful maneuvers there. Are there any other maneuvers that we might want to know when we're just entering the party? There's, a, there's something I call the sophistication test, which is mm. it doubles as an entrance uh, maneuver and also a sort of a test for what what level of conversation are we going to be at with this person so you can say something like how do you fit into this picture right and so the person can either answer very literally like well i was invited because i went to school with the host or they can say you know God knows. I don't know how I got here. How did you get here? I mean, you know, there's different ways people can answer it. And then, you know, are we going to be talking in a fun, you know, humorous way with this person? Or is it just going to be? And it kind of like gets sets you up for where you're going in the conversation. Um, yeah, that's that's a really great tip. Yeah. And so you you kind of touched on body language, um, you know, when we're making that entrance, the things to look out for, whether to tell if people are open. How important is body language in terms of the rest of mingling, you know, when, when we're interacting with these people? Well, one of the most important things is eye contact. <clears throat> when you're when you're trying to circulate, it's nas- it's nas- it's normal to at some point, try to sky, surreptitiously scan the room to see kind of like who else is there. But you cannot make the mistake of letting your eyes roam while the other person is talking to you. While the other person is talking to you, your eyes have to be fixed on their face. But when they're when you're talking, you can, you know, you can act like you're thinking and you're like, well, I don't know when I was first in, you know, and that is actually more acceptable. So it's a really that's a really important rule. <laughs> that's a great tip. I love that. That's brilliant. And so, you know, in terms of when we're having that conversation, we're scanning the room and, you know, not when they're talking, when we're talking and we're kind of making it look like we're thinking. Um, but are there other 
the body language signs that we can use when we're talking to another person or when we're um, at the party to kind of signal that we are we do want to mingle and we are open and we'd like people to also see that we're available to chat to? Well, um, I guess the main thing would be to, you know, smile and, um, uh, and you know, whenever you can make eye contact with other people, just as, if, as people, other people are looking in the room and you look at them and you, your eyes meet and you smile. And, you know, that's basically all I could, you know, that, that's the most I could say. The other thing, um, though, as a, as a, one thing that you shouldn't do, and this isn't, this is not about a body language, but one thing I meant to say about openings is that you should not ask somebody about their career for an opening line. That is a really common mistake that people make. Um, Mm. and it, it seems like a normal thing to do, but it actually is more like people, it seems, it will seem to the other person as though you're trying to find out who, are they important enough for me to talk to? How much money do they yes. make? And also, you don't know what subject you're bringing up when you do that. So, as a first, as an opening, it's terrible. They could have just lost their job. They could they could be in a profession that you find either repulsive or boring. Like so, that's like <laughs> a really big no no. <laughs> that's a great tip. Is there anything else that we should absolutely avoid when it comes to openers and you know first getting into these conversations with people? Well, you have to be worried. Speaking of body of body language, you do have to be careful about touching people too much. Like sometimes mm. people who are nervous, they want to they want to sort of like you'll reach out and touch somebody's arm because you you want to make you want to make contact, but that's not the right way to make contact, which I think we all know at this point. But um, yes, you know it can still be some people's um, instinct. Oh, definitely. I know I found that. And I think you've just touched that person's arms three times. I'd stop it. They're going to think you're coming on to them. (laughs) And also, sometimes when people tell a joke in order to, like, make sure that you think it's funny, they'll lean forward and, like, touch your arm and squeeze it or something. Like, okay, that's not going to help the joke be funny. I'm just going to laugh because I feel uncomfortable now. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Those are great tips. And so um, when it comes to making conversation, you know, we've entered the party, we've done a successful entrance, we've found somebody who we, um, you know, have initiated uh, a conversation with and done an entrance maneuver on it. It's all going swimmingly. And then we just find ourselves completely lost for what to say next. We've all been there, right? And it's right. just like you're scrambling for something to say. What do we do then? Well, there's there are, are lots of techniques that I give in the book about um, about continuing the conversation. Um, yeah. One of my favorite ones is is kind of like a I think I call it game playing or something in the book. It's yeah. when you um, you have something you have to sort of have something ready for this. But I used to have this coat that was um, orangish red. And I started realizing that all the men called it red and all the women thought it was orange. So if I'm, if I have that color on or something like that, I will say, what color do you think this is? Like, like I'm taking a poll, you know, or, you know, you just have, have, you can have a lot of these kind of poll taking questions ready. Like how many people, you know, here, a lot of it, a lot of conversation that is very non-threatening has to do with observation. So you can Mm. say, how many people here do you think are from this neighborhood or this town or this country, depending upon your party? And, you know, or did did you notice that hat on on that woman when you came in? Isn't that like fabulous or weird or, you know, like, that is a good thing to sort of like take take advantage of your surroundings and then it's like something common that you guys can talk about that's not at all confrontational um yeah so yeah using using your surroundings is good 
And you know they're going to know about it and have something to say on it too. They're not going to go, I don't, I don't know what you're talking right. about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can talk about the food. You can talk about the host. You can talk about the decor. You can talk about, you know, with beyond no negative gossiping, but you know. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's only. always a red flag for me. Yeah, 100%. And so um, are there any other little techniques that you have to help the conversation flow? You know, this is, especially if we're nervous and we're anxious and we get to a party and, you know, we've used our couple of entrance maneuvers and our couple of opening lines and then we think, oh shit, like what do I say next? Are there any other techniques that you have for helping the conversation to flow? Um. <clears throat> I'm draw. I mean, I know that I I have some. <laughs> Look, we're we're actually this is a good example of the very thing. No, yeah. no, I sometimes I don't know. I'll use the there's something that's ridiculous that's called the helpless Hannah. I think I call it in the book, which yeah. is you um you ask people to do you a favor, a small favor, like you know, would you mind uh, telling me if that man over there. Uh, you, I don't know, there's lots of different ways to do it, but you can say, you can say, you know, could you hold my drink for a second? Or, you know, would you mind, can anybody know what the Wi-Fi password is here? Whatever. I mean, you don't want to do that at a party, but there are, there are ways that you can, that you can do that. Or even like, do I have anything in my teeth or those kinds of little things, right? Exactly. Um, and you know, have you, have you had the, have you had this, the, um, turkey? Is it good? You know, like, you know, just sort of asking people questions about the party. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. You also sometimes I can, um, you know, you you can if people have different accents from different regions, you can sort of make a game out of that. Like, where do you think I'm from? I and I'll sort of guess where you're from. You know, depending upon again, again, depending upon the party. Yeah, that's fun. I like that. And so one one of the things that's really tricky when you're mingling is that you're kind of trying to um engage with that person but you're always thinking about like what's going on in the room and who else is there how important is it that we're actually listening to the person that we're connecting with in that moment it's re- that is really the trickiest part and i as an expert mingler i am still learning how to do this because yeah. the combination of being able to circulate which means you've always kind of got to be aware you can't, you know, you can, but I don't recommend talking to one person all night because what's the point of that if you're supposed to be, yeah. you know, you want to see who else is at the party. Um, so it's really important to listen as hard as you can and then, and not try to scan at the same time. Like, you know, in other words, until you're really re- what I try to do is listen really hard to the conversation, get really into it for like the 15 minutes or 20 minutes, if it's great, you know, that I'm going to be with that one person. Sometimes it's five minutes and it's still great, but it depends. Um, And then when I start to feel like it's time for me to think about moving, then I loosen my attention a little bit, just in order for me to be able to do the, like a little bit of little scan, like not scanning, it sounds horrible, but like being able to get ready to move. And you don't have to scan, you can just get ready to do your exit, you know, get ready to like, introduce an exit maneuver so that you can leave and then you don't have to absolutely know where you're going before you go. And so if we're chatting to someone uh, and we're listening to them and we, we're having the good 15 minutes and they veer into a controversial area that we potentially don't really want to go near or politics or those kind of things, 
do we go there with them or do we try and move the conversation on? What do we do? That's a very good question. I wrote, I have just, in fact, my latest book was entirely on this subject um, called Mingling with the Enemy, How to Navigate Any Conversation. Um, And um, because of today's world where everybody every issue is, is like black and white makes people angry. Yeah. We're so divided. So I have a, a technique I, I call uh, how to test for friend, foe, or fanatic. And Ooh. what, what you do is when, you know, sometimes the conversation will just go there and, you know, you have to, if, if somebody's going to be fanatical or, or bombastic or angry, I would say immediately go to escapist techniques and get out of there. Yes, yes. But there's like lots of ways. If you want to, if you feel like you want to have an inter- interesting conversation about an issue, you can give a test question first. Like, did you read in my case in America, you would say, did you read the New York times today? Now, if yes. you're, if you're a liberal or, moderate, you would say either, yes, I did or no. But if you're a really, if you're a radical Republican, you'll say that, that rag, that, that, that pack of lies, I wouldn't read that. (laughs) And then you go, okay. And then you know that you, you know, who you're talking to, you're not going to go there. Um, And the thing about the, the, the fanaticism, what I call fanaticism is it doesn't necessarily mean people on the other side of an issue. It could all, it's also mm. not pleasant to be at a party and start talking to someone who may feel is on your side of the issues, but really wants to yell and scream about it and, um, you know, yes. get so angry and passionate about it that it, it makes it so that it's not fun to be at the party. Mm-hmm. That is so true too, isn't it? And you just don't want to, uh, you know, if you feel, if you're the one who feels particularly passionate about something, but you you know, potentially that it's not the ma- the most popular opinion, you don't want to be the one who's potentially throwing up these things. And then the other person secretly is thinking, well, this nutter, you know, how am I going to ditch them? Yeah. So I guess that testing is really good. Yeah. I mean, my, mm. my rule is, um, you know, the old rule back in the, you know, Victorian days was never talk about politics, but my rule is never argue about politics. So you can talk about politics, just, you know, just don't go there at a party. It's different if you're at a friend's house with four people and you want to go at it, that's also very fun, but that's a whole different thing. You don't want to ruin the party for the hostess or for the other guests by getting into a big thing at at a cocktail party. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just not the time. Um, and so what do we do if we do actually make a faux pas? You know, we've all said things and thought, oh, damn, I wish I didn't say that. Or we've come dressed in the wrong thing and we just feel desperately uncomfortable. You know, what do we do if we do end up putting our foot in it? How, how do we get back from that? Well, that's there's, there's a whole chapter in the book on recovering from faux pas. And one of the things is you could do the faux pas moi, which is that just ignore the whole thing. And that didn't happen. Just like put a great <laughs> face on it. A lot of people choose that just because yeah, it's yeah, easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can also confess and dwell on it, which is my particular favorite, which yeah, is yeah, just yeah. to be like, cause everybody's done it, you know, and it can actually end up totally. being a bonding moment where you actually yeah. can further the conversation. You're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that. Like, I know your name. This is just <laughs> me. I can't remember names. I just can't believe I yeah. did that again. Yeah. And you yeah. just apologize. And then uh, my, but my real absolute favorite is, the um the anecdotal antidote uh i think that's what i call it in the book yeah um 
it is when you, if you've made a really bad faux pas, sometimes the only way is to distract from it by telling a story about a worse faux pas that you made that's funny. Oh, yes, 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 So yes. I have one that I use in the book that I use all the time for this because I don't know if, I, if you have time for me to tell it, but Please. Uh, I will tell it quickly. It was years ago, um, the, I, was, I had an interview to be the assistant of the famous author Erica Zhang. And, um, when I got to the, I had, it was a rainy day and I happened to be on crutches from a stressed fracture and I was half an hour late for the interview. So I was super, super nervous. And I got to her house and, um, say the housekeeper opened the door and then Erica Zhang, who's very grand came sweeping down the stairs and she put out her hand and she said, hello, I'm Erica Zhang. And I said, hello, I'm Erica Zhang. I just introduced myself as her. And there was this moment of complete, utter confusion by me and the housekeeper and Erica. We we all just sat there and looked at each other for like 30 seconds until finally she said, you must be Jean Martinet. And I said, yes, that is who I am. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That would be a good icebreaker. I was once at a party and um, it was at somebody's house and it was lovely, gorgeous party. And um, they had a lovely cat and the cat came up and walked into the like middle of the circle. And I love animals. So, you know, I went down and had a hold of a stroke of the cat and I picked the cat up and had a real nice call. And then um, the person was there and it was like a really old cat. And so I put it down. You know how cats just automatically like jump down and put their legs out? Far out. I put it down and just dropped it on his face. And it was awful. (laughs) And it was like this 18-year-old cat that I just face panted on the floor. It's this person's prize pet. And I just like like, literally, (laughs) I'm like, how do I recover from that? And my husband was there. And you know, afterwards, God, we laughed. He said, I can't believe you just face planted their 18-year-old cat. I thought, well, cats, they're meant to land on their feet, right? So that's mine, which I'm gonna save for a terrible photo. Pause. Cat dropping there you is go. my that, main crime work. at a party. That'll yeah, work right. Well. Okay, brilliant. I've got it signed off by the mingling expert. Um, so, as I mentioned, one of the things that I find myself doing at party, and I think of myself as an extrovert, but now the more that I, the older I get, I think I'm actually an extroverted introvert. You know, like I, I can. I can outwardly do it, but I find it kind of exhausting, you know, bothering people at parties. And I come back and I think, oh, man, that was hard work, Um, which I think a lot of people can relate to. But one of the things I find myself doing at parties, particularly if I've gone alone, is, like I said, attaching to the first person who will talk to me and not leaving them all night because they're a safe person. How do we avoid doing this? Like you say, because we're missing out on so many opportunities if we do that and so many people to meet um, and move on from them to talk to more people in the room. So I guess how do we enact that, that well, I mean, strategy? Number one, by the art of mingling. <laughs> no, but I mean, you can, I mean, you, you just have to practice, you know, and get, you know, yeah. because you, there's no, you can do that, but you shouldn't do that. And yeah. you just have, you have to, you have to know why you shouldn't do that, which is for all the reasons I said before that, you know, totally. that you can have a better time if you just get more brave. Um, yeah. The other thing, but it's, you, you can just use, you can just say, for yourself and the other person, you can use this line, which is, well, I guess we're supposed to mingle at this thing. Yes. You know, and then you just, you know, it's a reminder to yourself and an exit line, you know, so, yeah. um, uh, and it's, and it's true, you know, so it, it mm. also appeals to people who don't really want to 
you know, have do a major fibbing. Yes, yes, yes. I never want so, to. I mean, you just have fibbing. to like, you have to just not, you know, you can just talk to one person all night, but you shouldn't. That's the only yes. thing I can say. <laughs> and what about things like sometimes I'll go, okay, I'm going to get another drink now, or oh, I'm just going to find out where the loo is, or is it is that kind of thing a good thing to do? Yes. That, well, the, that's the first of, of the many escape techniques I have in the book. This I call it the buffet bye-bye and other handy excuses. <laughs> and yes. that's all, all those are good. If you're really trying to get away from someone, which is not always the case. Sometimes it's just yeah. that you're moving. But the yeah. best one of those then is what I call the telephone line, which is I have to make a call or I have to take a call because everyone knows you can't do that at a party. That's not polite. And so you can excuse yes. yourself. Then you have to actually go and pretend to make a call and then come <laughs> back. And then when you come back, you go to somebody else when you come back. Yes. Um, because all the other play, all the other excuses in the list, the buffet, the loo, the, people can follow you there, you know, so you, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not an absolutely effective escape unless you use the telephone line. Um, yes. So that's that and, one. And I have had other people say to me, oh, I'm just going to get a drink. And then I thought maybe they were going to come back and chat and I've been having a really nice time and they don't come back and chat. And then I thought, oh, maybe they weren't having as good a time <laughs> as I thought. Right. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, though, you have to that's what that's part of like the um, listening to your mingling coach, which is half the time that that's not the reason. The reason is they just want to yeah. meet other people. They might have had a perfectly yeah. fine talking time talking to you, because if it's me, I go to a party and I want to talk to, you know, 10 people. I don't want yeah, to yeah. talk to one person. And unless they're truly the love of my life that I just happen to meet. <laughs> Then you can just leave yeah. the party. But I mean, yeah. or, or nearly it's just like people just want to circulate. So you, no one should take that personally. Yeah. Okay. It's not about you, Ed. Move on. Not, not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're I the mean, problem. it could be. <laughs> when, when you're doing the whole cat dropping thing, it's you. Yeah, it's definitely it you. <laughs> <laughs> or you tell, you tell a really bad joke or something. <laughs> yeah, that could also be me. It does sound right. like me. And so when it comes to mingling, and um, there are natural ebbs and flows in meeting and chatting with people. How do we get a bit more comfortable in, you know, just being by ourselves for a little bit? Because we're not naturally going to jump from one person to the next person to the next person. Like you might need to sit back for a minute, oh, yeah. have a little drink and and then spot your next victim. Right, absolutely. So take, take, it's fine, perfectly fine to take a little, little party pause, like take a, take a pause from the party and, you know, get a drink and then just walk around, look at the paintings on the wall, you know, go go to the loo, um, you know, just walk around, look if if the if it's that kind of a party you can go look at it you know check out the other room or something you know and and you can definitely disappear for a while um mm. and if the host suddenly wonders why you're all by yourself you've plenty of things you can make up about why you're doing that like you had to yeah. check on the babysitter or whatever <laughs> yeah 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 but that I is like sometimes that. it's good to get your to recharge to be able to take a breath between yeah. conversations but yeah, don't be and also don't be a party oh. ghost don't disappear into another room and never come back <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so guilty of that too. And also like the the other thing that we're tempted to do is go on our phones, right? And that just counts you out. Uh, there's something I talk about in the book called, it's called an iPhone for an iPhone. And what yes. happens is if some, this is our biggest challenge in modern world. It's my biggest bugaboo is why, why I write these books is to get people yeah. off of their phones and yeah. to face-to-face mingling. But if you take out your, if you're standing in a group of four people and one person takes out their phone, yeah. Everyone, it's automatic that everyone else takes out their phone and then you're not at the party anymore. You're all over. It's very tempting. Jeez, I find that it's rude. so tempting because you'll be in a conversation and it's very difficult to do this, but I still, I'm pretty strict about it 
as far as my, what I think people should do. Because mm. you'll be in the conversation and people say, remember that guy in that movie? And then the other person oh, says, yeah. oh, what movie is that? And then someone's going to take out their phone to I look up that. the thing. But once the phone is out, they're checking their messages. They're checking totally. on Twitter. You know, and like, so you just, it's better just if you can't remember, just, just make that a thing. Isn't it funny? Yeah. None of us can remember the name of George Clooney. I mean, how... How crazy is that? You know, you yeah. make it a thing. Do not take out your phone. Do not, do not. Unless you're using the telephone line as an escape. Yes, yes, fair <laughs> enough. And and because the other thing that people do now, isn't it, with the smartwatches is like they'll check their smartwatch while you're talking to them. And you know they're not like looking at the time or anything. They're looking at a text. And damn, I just think that's so rude. It's also rude if they're looking at their time anyway. But yes. <laughs> Yeah, there's like no, there's no acceptable reason for them to look at the watch unless it's towards the end of the party. And then they could, you could pretend you're looking at the time. If it's like the party's from six to eight and you're talking to someone and it's near eight o'clock. Okay. It's forgivable. Someone looks at their watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yes, it, I, the, the smartphones are, are annoying. Totally annoying. Yeah. It hacks me off. And as soon as somebody checks their messages, I just think, okay, I'm out. That's You're so rude. I hate that. I mean, I on the other it. hand, it is like, you know, people could use that as an, an offensive escape. True. <laughs> I mean, and I don't have that yeah. in the very first edition of this book way back when, because this mm. this edition, this book's had three major um, rev revisions over the years. Yeah. But the first one, I had the section called offensive escapes, which is just like, and it was sort of too much. I took it out, but it was things that would just make you so offensive that people would walk away from you. You didn't yeah, have to worry yeah, about yeah. getting rid of them. But I don't recommend that. So I took that section out of the book in one of the revisions. Though sometimes, you know, somebody's like, you know, overtly racist or just saying things that's kind of offensive. Sometimes I don't really care if I piss them off. I think, yeah, go on. Well, yeah, I but want of course you to it, know that this is unpleasant. In that case, you don't, you know, you can just get – if anybody is either really drunk or really offensive, you don't have to worry about using any of the techniques that I have devised to save people's feelings. You know, you can just say, I'm out of here. You know, I've got to go talk to somebody else. Well, Bye. that's my cue to leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good luck yeah, with all yeah. The, good luck with all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I've done that, you know, like if, we, if we've been sat, you know, and this isn't really at a party, but if you sat down at a restaurant, you know, there's always some drunk who's trying to come over and have a chat and you're just trying to have a nice time. And, so, and one of the techniques that I found really works is just going – mate, we're just trying to have a nice drink here. And it makes them feel really awkward because, and you're not being aggressive. And every time they just move on and go, sorry, right. you yeah. know? That's yeah. good. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And so um, if we've gotten to the event, we've done our thing, we're, but we're all mingled out, how do we leave without appearing rude? Because sometimes you, you think to yourself, okay, I'm just going to go for an hour and I'm going to mingle my butt off. I'm going to meet as many people. I'm just going to go for an hour. I'm just going to go for a drink. How do we leave then without it seeming like we're being rude or we, we don't want to be there? Um, there are so many excuses that you can use, but sometimes if I think that's going to happen and I know that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that I probably won't stay the whole time, you can... I think I call it bringing a lifeboat around along or something. <laughs> and you can, you can, when you first come and you talk to the hostess, you say, I just want you to know, I may have to leave because somebody's coming in from the airport on the airport. And I don't know when their plane, you know, I think the plane is late, but I'm not sure. And I'm going to have to, you know, you, there's a million That's of those great. you can, yeah. you can use. And then you, then if you, if you're having a good time, you know, it's one of those things where it doesn't happen. So you can keep staying. But yeah, then it's yeah. not such a shock when you're like leaving in the middle of a party. I do. I also yeah. think it's kinder to the hostess 
I know when I give a party and people leave in the middle, like before really it's time for people to leave, I don't want it to signal a mass exodus. And I'm very, yes. I'm very focused on that as a hostess, like keeping people, like people have just gotten there and then people start leaving. You don't get that, you know, that yeah, crucial, you know, like where everyone's all together. So it's just, you should really slipping out, saying goodbye to the hostess is fine, but doing it in, in, as, in as quietly and as surreptitiously as possible so that other people, don't make a big thing about going around to everybody and saying goodbye yeah. if you're leaving early because other people will say, oh, is it time to leave? Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, we're going to go too. Yeah. yeah. Hold uh, on. What yeah. subway are you taking? What, you know, how are you getting home? Yeah, that's so true. I just can't imagine how good your parties are, Jean. I reckon they're legendary. <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on over. I just, had, oh my I, just gosh. Had a, I just had a very fabulous party. I wanted to try it. I had something called the Millennial Mingle, which um, I had for people. I didn't invite any of my friends who are my age. I invited people who were between the age of 25 and 40. And Ooh, I could have got in. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so much fun because I thought, I mean, I'm a little older than that. And, you know, we the conversation and the way people mingle is different. First of all, everyone wants to sit down. Um, yeah. And so I invited all these wonderful young people who are all like kids and nephews and nieces of my friends and just people I just love. And I had such a fun time. I was like Auntie Mame. It was great. Jean, you're so cool. I love that. What a wonderful idea. That's such a great idea too. And like if you're trying to start mingling with different people too, you know, invite invite people around to you. I know. And the conversation that is so was so different because nobody talked about anything. Nobody talked about their health for one thing. And everybody was just very like it was just so cool. And also the young people all came up to me. The young people. They they love yeah. being called young, the 30-year-olds. Um <laughs> I would love that. No, but they they came up to me afterwards and said, Jean, this is so wonderful. We don't even know this many people our own age in all in Manhattan. Like, because people don't are not people are not doing face to face mingling. So this is my mission in life is to get people to mingle face to face because they get people get stuff out of it and they don't realize it until they do it. Totally. And you're so right. And, you know, as somebody who's moved countries, I like kind of the pivotal age when you lose all your university mates and then you kind of end up just with the mates that you work with. Those opportunities to meet people outside of your bubble are just incredible. But often, you know, we're so scared of mingling that we think, I won't know anyone. I, I know. Shouldn't go. I know. People and people are not having those events as much too, especially, you They're know, not. It was, as, after the pandemic, it's like it never really, it's coming back somewhat, but I'm hoping it will come back more so that um, there's more opportunities. Because, you know, I have a lot of good friends, but I always want to meet new people also. So yeah, same, but you know, cost of living and stuff like that kind of puts people off, but there's so many ways of doing it that won't cost you a bomb. Uh, and I know I suddenly, people around. I, I, unfortunately for me, I happen to have a kind of fabulous apartment. Um, and so, cause in New York, you not, not everybody has some space they can entertain yes, in. Yes, yes, yes. But when I had the millennial mingle, I just had, I said, everyone has, to, everybody has to bring a bottle of wine a piece of cheese or a box of crackers. And I just oh, like, I love that. and everybody brought stuff and it worked out well. I thought, well, maybe I won't have enough wine, but it actually just worked out brilliantly. That's genius. I'm going to steal that. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have a millennial mingle. 
So if we do get there and it's not a fabulous Manhattan apartment and we're not mingling and there's not cheese and wine and we're not having that best of a great of a time or we we kind of done our thing, what are some of the escape strategies that you'd recommend? Well, my escape strategies are going to mostly for when you're when you're talking to one a person that you want to get away from. Like that is like yes. the, the the other the, there's you know, as I think I said there's two pe- reasons people don't go to the party. One is they're afraid of having nothing to say and the other one is being afraid of being stuck. And totally. so I have I wrote a whole chapter on the etiquette of escape and has 12 escape techniques in it. And they range from, you know, the what we were talking about the buffet bye-bye, but there's also one that people love um which is called the human sacrifice. <laughs> the, <laughs> the human My mother sacri- does this to me all the time. <laughs> I mean, it sounds really mean, but everybody uses this um, technique, which is as soon as you see someone else that you know or you've been introduced to coming by you, you grab them, either physically or just by saying hello, and you pull them into the conversation. You introduce that person to the bore, and then yeah. as soon as they are, they start, they say anything to each other, you. You can leave because one yeah. of my, the five laws of survival, one of the fa- five main mingling laws is change equals movement, movement equals change. So anytime mm. there's a new person in the group, it shifts everything uh, and you can easily just, it breaks the bond. You can just walk away. So um, that. that's actually an easy thing to do. Yeah. My mom has sacrificed um, There's also the fade to- out in reverse. Oh, um, go on. You can, you know, if you're in a large enough group, you can't do this with one person. But let's say there's four people, five people that are standing around talking. You just wait. You just keep listening and not adding anything in. And then you just edge away a little bit from the group and then you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They're both brilliant techniques. But my mom has used me as a human sacrifice many times. And she does it in a terribly mean way and only to awfully boring people and just to make herself laugh, which is cruel. So don't do it in that way. It's terrible. It's really... And- Sorry, it's really, it's actually great if you, if you have a partner and you go to a, if you have a partner, a roommate, a husband, a best friend, um, and you go to the party with them, there's a whole, a whole bunch of ways you can use, you can help each other mingle, not by mingling together, but by like pointing out like part, like you could come back to your friend and say, don't talk to that guy in the dark gray suit because he's drunk off his butt. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, or you can like bring that person, like, you know, if the person is, if you're not shy, the other person's shy, you can bring people, you can feed the people to that shy person. Um, yeah. Just keep bringing them people, introducing them. If you see them standing alone, you bring them another person, you know, so you can do team mingling also. Yeah, that's really nice. I like that because that helps you and them. I really like that. That's a great idea. And so if we're super confident uh, in our mingling abilities and we feel like we're actually quite good at it, like I know I could go to a party and I probably wouldn't run out of things to say and I'd be okay at it. I still feel a bit uncomfortable, but I'd be okay at it. Are there some of the techniques that you recommend for us to really take it to the next level? Like if you meet people and you think you're pretty good at mingling, but if you just did this and this, you would be able to meet way more people are there some things that we can do to kind of take it to that next level um uh, i mean i guess all i could say is just um is getting better at moving uh at, Mm. at, at and that's one of the reasons the escape chapter which sounds so negative is so important because it's really just about movement, you know, and a lot of it is just, I think it's time to mingle now or, you know, or, um, uh, you know, the, the, 
honest approach in reverse, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I have to mingle or whatever. I think mainly the answer is that people just need to get better at movement and also knowing yes. like um, trying to be a little bit more open to more imaginative conversation. So yeah. like if a conversation, like let the conversation flow to where it's going to go. Don't have any, try not to have, pre- even though I'm giving you lines, right? But that's for the opening. Once you're in the conversation, Try to let the conversation play out like a game. A good conversation, a fun conversation should be like a tennis game, you know, yeah. where you're like hitting back and forth and you're trying to play on what they're saying and, you know, just try to be creative and imaginative with it. Don't be afraid to go down a rabbit hole in some odd, you know, corner of the conversation if that's where it seems like it's going. You know, just try yeah. to, you know, don't stick to like the weather and your yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just try totally. to kind of be more open to to it being like a game. I think that's the yeah. Thing. And I always find curiosity is fantastic too. Oh yeah, because definitely. I think- you know, if you're curious about that person, that's a really brilliant, because people love talking about themselves, right? So if you're curious and you actually find a part that you're interested in, I think that's very no, good. No, that's so, that's so true. You, you know, you ask, asking questions is good. Listening really hard is good. And when you find something that you really do find in, genuinely interesting about the person, then definitely, yes, as you say, hone in on that. And, um, uh, but it's also important not to, it's so funny. I was, I was on a, an interview with um, Steve Inskeep of Morning Edition here in, on NPR in mm. America. And I was, we were at this party and I was teaching him to mingle. Ha ha. Teaching Steve Inskeep to mingle. <laughs> and um, he said, he, he started, we, he was showing me what he did. And I stopped him and I said, Steve, you're, it's great, but you're just interviewing the person. You can't just ask questions. You, yeah. you have to also give back. Like the only yes. way the conversation becomes really full is if you take it, you know, change it and then throw it back. You can't, yeah. I mean, it may seem like you're just being really interested in the person by just asking the question, asking questions, but true, true curiosity, it may, you make some connection. So you have to also, without talking too much about yourself, it's a, it's a definitely like a mix. Balance. Yeah, Balance, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the way I like to think of it is that, you know, if somebody throws something to me, they're kind of offering a plate of things and I'll pick up something that's on that plate and take that. Right. And then I'll turn it into something else and offer it back to them on that plate. So you kind of you kind of have to give them something to pick up on. Like my husband was saying that he was talking to somebody the other day at a party um, and they went, oh, didn't you go sh- shark diving, you know, back in 2003? And the person just said, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, what, what do you come back <laughs> on? You know, I'm just giving you the ultimate yeah, offering really, for you to exactly. dive deep. Yeah. And the person just went, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, one of the things is when, when you ask people questions, it's important to frame it so that they then know. Some people just don't know what to do. So you need mm. to give them directions. So if you ask them, like you say, if you don't just say how long you lived in New York, you say, yes, I, I just, I've lived in the city for 30, 40 years. How long have you lived? You know, and when I got here, I found it this and that and the other thing. Give some information. And then how long have you lived in New York? So that they then can understand that they're not going to just answer 20 years. Because you've yeah. given them some other context, you know. Yeah. And, and asking open questions too, like as opposed to the shark diving questions, did you go shark diving? Well, you've got a yes or no answer there, right? Whereas if you said to them, tell me about that time you went shark diving, that must've been scary. Then they can't just say yes or no, right? Then you say, did the shark, ask him for a description. You know, when you yes. went shark, shark diving, did you, did you, you know, was there blood in the water or, you know, whatever, you know, just yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. ask questions. Um, that's absolutely really important. Yeah. 
Yeah, I really like that. One of the reasons, though, that I say that that it's important, it's kind of a, a great idea to start with observation, is that most people are a little bit asking questions can make people feel nervous, right? Okay, they're going to answer and their answer's got to be good. So if you do observational conversation first, before you get into the interview, not the interview, but the question asking thing, like, because it goes from like, outside to then into the where you're talking the person, you know, so the first couple, it's nice to do observation conversation in the beginning. Yeah, I like that because then they know that you're not going to grill them or, you know, make them feel. Well, you get a sense of it's or... like it's like two kids circling each other when you're a kid. Like you got to get to know <laughs> each other before you start playing. You know, like yeah, you get, yeah. you know, you got to you got a sense of who they are. They're not going to bite you. It's not going to be scary. And then <laughs> you get deeper into it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And so um, this isn't to do with parties, um, but but there's even a section in your book on elevator mingling, which I'm so <laughs> passionate about, because you know what really pisses me off is when you get into a lift and somebody just turns their back on you and faces the door and you think, well, seriously, we're both grown-ups here. Are you kidding me? You can't even say hello or good morning. I talk to people in the elevator all the time, which is probably no Same. surprise. Um, yeah. But, um, but yes, people are very... First of all, there's a limited amount of time. So people mm. people think I don't have to do this because people are scared of it, right? And, yeah. and people are sometimes nervous in an elevator, right? Because mm. claustrophobia, the elevator could break down, whatever, which mm. are, by the way, two things you should never talk about while you're in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> Very <laughs> um, good tip. But it's true. Like, I, how, do I, how else do I get to know my neighbors? I mean, I'm in exactly. the elevator. I live in an elevator building and... Every time I get in the elevator with somebody, there's not a time that unless they're really most people, if they're on their phone and I can see they've got earphones in, yeah. sometimes I won't try to say, I might make eye contact to see if they'll say hi, but yeah. it's hard to talk to people who are doing that. But I always yeah. say hi and we'll say something about the building or, you know, like how long you lived here or I've never seen, haven't seen you before you. Are you on this? You know, are you, do you mm. live here? Are you on my line? You know, like whatever. And then, you know, you, you do, even though the conversation is abbreviated, if you see that person again in the elevator, you know, you can continue it until yeah. eventually, like I just went and saw, I've, I've lived in this current apartment for two years and I've been seeing this one fellow and we've been chatting. And finally he said, well, why don't you come up and see my apartment? Cause we were talking about the difference between our layouts. Mm. So I went up to see his apartment. He came down to see my apartment. We had like a whole little afternoon of it. Nice. And um, it was, that makes it sound a lot. That, no, it was very platonic. <laughs> No bed hopping. No, no, it was just, it was just, it was a very good, like, we bonded as neighbors. Sure, Jean. um, So, because that, and that all started with elevator mingling. Yeah. How fabulous. You know what? One of the things I absolutely adore, if they've got a dog with them, you're in. Because everyone loves chatting about that dog, right? I just get into the dog. How old are they? Da, da, da. You pets know, you are the really most. Get into pets that. are the best um, mingling accessory possible. And if there's oh, one at the best. party or whatever, except for you don't want to drop it on its head. <laughs> but <laughs> thanks, Jean. I learned that the hard yeah, way. There, remember, <laughs> do not drop pet on head. Um, <laughs> but in my in my most recent book, Mingling with the Enemy, I also talk about how pets are incredibly helpful when you have start having that argument at the dining room table you know, yeah. about politics. And if you've got a dog around or a cat, dogs are usually more helpful because they're usually around more. But, you know, yeah. you talk about the dog and everybody loves to talk about it. It's like such a great distraction. 
Mmm, love it. But I am such an advocate of an elevator mingle because you can get so much out of that. And then there's been studies and those are the things that genuinely make your day and your life and other people's lives more enjoyable. You know, it gives you a little burst of endorphins, a little dopamine hit. It's great for you. Say hello to people in the elevator. Well, no question. But that's part of the reason I love in New York City. I love to live in New York City is because people, I mean, I, I, I grew up, my mother said, don't talk to strangers. But I moved here because I like talking to you strangers. You made a career of it. And yeah. everybody, like strangers in the store, my my doorman, you know, yeah. uh, the everybody, like, yeah. I, it's, and I'm, when I go out, if I go out for errands, I come back having had like six conversations. Yeah, they were brief. Yeah. But like, I'm completely buoyed by them, you know? Totally. Me too. And since I started working from home, I really need that connection. You know, I want, it's like my chance to actually talk to people besides my dog. You know, it's, it's quite nice that no, it's you get really, that connection. I can't even believe that I chose writing as a career since I'm such a bingler and I'm here by myself <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but you chose a topic that allows you to talk about it a lot, right? That's I true. love it. That's true. <laughs> and so the mingling doesn't actually stop at the party. You know, if we've been, we've had a great time, you actually recommend following up with the host or the people that we've mingled with. How do we do that? Well, first of all, thank you notes, which are um, almost extinct now, um, are incredibly nice for the host. And mm. yes, email is fine. I, I like if if the host is of a certain age, and you happen to have their address, a a, a, a handwritten note is just so will really lovely. cement. You will get invited back to the next party if you do that. Yeah. You know? Um. And so the other thing, there are certain rules about um how you how you follow up with people you met at the party. Um. Mm-hmm. And I mean rules, my rules that I made yeah. up. <laughs> Um, but no, but it, I mean, over the, you know, from tried it, from testing everything, um, <clears throat> when you're at the party, one of the tips is you don't, if people, not everyone has business cards anymore, but if yeah. you, if you are at a, you are at an event where people have business cards, you don't ask somebody for their business card. You offer your business card and you yes. wait for them to give you their business card. That is just mm. more polite. You don't want to have put somebody in the spot who doesn't want to give you their card. And you just can't yeah. like, and don't, for God's sakes, don't ask them for their phone so you can put their information in. The yeah. young, young people do that, but I just, I just find it to be so intrusive. It's one yeah. thing if you offer your phone to the other person and, yeah. you know, if that's what everyone's doing and then, you know, but the, the other way around isn't good. And then, mm. you know, I would say, um, then following up with an email so you could get their email you have their email address and or if you haven't gotten their email address but you really think that you've had a great conversation and you really want to pursue this person you can email the host and say i just loved meeting your friend carol could you please yeah. give me her email address and usually that would be that'll be fine and then you write yeah. right and you make sure you say in the email i got your email from from the host for hostess um, I hope you don't mind. I just had such a great conversation. I was wondering if you want to have coffee or something like that. Um, always I love start that. with something. Always start with something. Um, no matter whether you're mingling for a job, for love, or for just for friendship, always start with something um, like coffee, um, which is yes. um, not not um, aggressive. You know, it's and yeah. it, it indicates and, a small and amount a of short time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Sometimes and, I'll um, say drink, but you know, coffee is best. Yeah. And one of the other things that I love about thank you notes, Tara Schuster talks about this in her her book by the Effing Lilies. Um, And I really like her. And she says that 
she always writes um, thank you notes for anything because it's like a little gratitude journal to yourself. And so if you're writing down and you have to write down all the things that you enjoyed about that particular event or all the nice people that you met or, you know, make those connections, it reinforces how joyful the mingling and going to the parties is, right? right? Absolutely. It is. It's, yeah. That's, that's a great, that's a great, t- I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I really like that. And then the other tip I have, which I discovered the other day, is if you are someone like, so for me, I always find myself talking about the podcast because I bloody love it. It's my absolute, you know, it's my thing. And then, so one of the things that I learned was you um, can make yourself a little screensaver with a little QR code. Can you see? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. And then the other person can scan the QR code and then nobody has to be on their phones for a long amount of time. They can check out what you want to right. talk about. It's and a very put quick, your it's a very quick thing. There. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so like rather than a business, this card that people are going to lose or put in their pocket you make yourself a little screensaver with a tiny little qr code on then the person can really find it easy to connect with right you. and i'm that. sure edwina because you are such a good mingler that you will wait for somebody to ask you for that or to at least mention your podcast before you whip that out <laughs> i would always dean always i'm not I surprised swear. <laughs> Oh, this has been such a joy. Jean, if we're at our next party and we're mingling and you just want us to remember one thing, what's the most important thing you want us to take with us? Everybody, almost everybody in the room is has as much insecurity as you. Mm. And, and, and engaging with people is the most important thing in life. Yes. Oh, Jean, this has given me so much joy. And so I just really enjoyed this chat. Thank you so much. Me too. It was really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Jean Martinet is an expert in mingling. And I'm sure, as you've heard, she is bloody brilliant at it. If this is something that makes you nervous, makes you uncomfortable, you've got to get out there because this is going to really improve your life. If someone's in the elevator, say hi and make sure that you get Jean's book. She's the author of The Art of Mingling. And as she says, she's just published another book about mingling with the enemy, which no doubt right now is so useful. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes so you can check out Jean's work. You can check out her books. Highly recommend it because there are so many more strategies in that book and so many specific ones. You know, if there's something that particularly makes you uncomfortable, I guarantee Jean's got a solution to it. So definitely check that out in the show notes. I'm Ed Starr. I really appreciate you joining me. If you haven't already, please review the podcast. It genuinely helps me out. On Apple Podcasts, you just scroll to the bottom of the um, podcast page and then you can write me a little note and leave me some stars. On Spotify, if you just scroll to the top, there's stars at the top that you can leave me. And five is the only acceptable number, obviously. So (laughs) if you could do that, that would be great. I really appreciate you. I'm Ed Stott, and I sincerely hope that's helpful.